This week, we're one-on-one with Governor Eric Holcomb, talking school safety in the wake of another incident at an Indiana school. Plus, we ask the governor about the latest controversy surrounding Curtis Hill. And what's next in Washington after the Oval Office showdown and the threat of a shutdown next week? Then, Joe Donnelly's Senate farewell and two former Indiana senators with an ominous warning for America. It's all ahead this Sunday in Focus. Exploring the issues that matter most in Indiana. This is In Focus with Dan Spieler. Good morning. A lot to get to today, including the latest on the drama unfolding in Washington over the Mueller probe and a potential government shutdown in the coming days. But first, we start with my sit-down interview with Governor Eric Holcomb, making news today on several important topics, including school safety after Thursday's shooting at a Richmond Middle School. Here's what the governor told me on Friday. We had another incident involving gunfire in one of our schools this week. You've talked a lot about school safety some proposals that are being talked about for next year, but how do we keep this from happening in our schools? Well, there's no one solution to this. This is obviously um, folks who are, again, struggling with some mental health issues. If you look at what's the common denominator, not just in Indiana, but across the country, what's the common denominator? Um, Usually, usually there were some signs before the incident happened itself. And so Indiana, while we will enact all of those, implement and execute on all those school safety recommendations, that leans heavily into how do we connect with um, and apply more mental health resources to schools and to families in real time before an incident occurs. Um, This latest episode over in Richmond Um, another tragedy, another individual who was struggling with some demons. Um, How do we, how do we prevent these things um, from occurring in the first place? Fortunately, what we've learned in uh, the previous two cases here in Richmond and in Noblesville um, was that the system, uh, the school um, enacted uh, and went into the proper protocol. They, they acted on the drills uh, that they had been practicing. And because of that, because of s- folks who individually stepped forward, in the case of Richmond, um, we were able to, s- it, was a, you know, it was a difference between life and death for uh, individuals. And in terms of Noblesville, where the teacher, Jason Seaman, you know, threw something that the um, individual and, and, and addressed it personally, but I, I, I really do want to commend the schools for um, doing all that they can uh, to make sure that students are safe when they get inside the school building, but then to get at your point, what do we do outside of the school building to help prevent these tragedies from occurring? We spoke with a parents group in Noblesville where I can tell you it's obviously still a very sensitive topic. Uh, this parents, and, it, and it always will be. It certainly yeah. will be. Uh, th- this particular group w- was critical of your school safety agenda. They said it, it fell short. They want changes in several areas, including, as they put it, responsible gun ownership, changing laws to keep guns away from those who shouldn't have them. They said Indiana cannot have a truly comprehensive plan to address school violence if we continue to ignore the role of firearms. 
What's your response to that? Well, my response is that that is the, what was used in this case, and absolutely there needs to be some responsible gun ownership. And, and understanding that what, what led, what was the cause of the action? And so that's why we've, we noticed in all of our discussions putting together the uh, school safety report, uh, there was a lot of consensus around addressing mental health and being able to react to seeing those early warning signs um, uh, and reacting in real time to try to prevent. Obviously, obviously I wanna have every conversation and discussion um, that, uh, that, is, that is needed in, in order to help address that um, parental responsibility. It's and something or, Senator Merritt may and or, put or, forth legislation on this year. Is that something well, you might, parental well, responsibility might? I think we need to have that discussion. And I, and I think the, um, the parental groups around the state are right that we need to have that discussion. Obviously, in many of these cases, not just the two in Indiana, but around the country, when you trace it back, where are the weapons? There are also bomb threats around the country. Uh, there are also other weapons that are, this week. Yeah. That, that, are, that are used around. So, so I want to address the why and the how and the what in this case. Um, and in a state like Indiana, if we can continue to use the red flag law and enhance it potentially, um, that enables us to more proactively intervene um, so that students aren't you know, getting weapons uh, from a legal owner. And obviously, guns Which are always a hot topic. Right, yeah. Sure. Um, the NRA is coming here next year as well. This parents group says they, they want you to help lead that discussion to find uh, better answers on gun violence. Do you think, are you someone who thinks the NRA needs to do more? Does your party need to do more in terms of finding middle ground on some of these controversial issues with guns? We're always, we're all going to have to do more. I mean, the, 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 there has been violence of all sorts, whether it be in schools or on the streets or at the business place, uh, there has been violence since the beginning of time. And so the question in my mind is always why and what led to it and how could we intervene before it erupts? On another topic, you've called for the attorney general to resign. Some Democrats in the state house are calling for his impeachment. He says he's not resigning. Should the attorney general be impeached? Would you support such a move? Uh, I, my position on this matter has not changed one iota. Uh, I, I believed after reviewing the first investigation and then the second and then the third felt validated uh, three times over that he should resign. I think that uh, elected office holders, especially statewide elected office holders, should be held to a higher standard, not a lower standard than our employees. Um, he uh, is dealing with his own case now. That's his business, not mine. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to worry about my job and leave his up to him. All right, we'll have more of that interview on a whole range of topics next week and also on our website. Right now, back to Washington and the showdown in the Oval Office ahead of a potential shutdown next week. All this is nearly four dozen former senators sound an ominous warning about the ever-intensifying Mueller probe. Matt Smith has more. Matt? Nearly four dozen former U.S. Senators, Democrats and Republicans saying the country is headed toward a dangerous period 
as the special counsel's investigation nears an end and Congress enters a new session divided. When the president brags that he won North Dakota and Indiana, he's in real trouble. The optics in the Oval, a sign of what's to come. Ten days ahead of a potential government shutdown and a month away from Democrats regaining control of the House. The fact is, you do not have the votes in the House. Nancy, I do. And we need border security. And this morning, another voice. 44 former U.S. Senators, including Democrat Evan Bayh and Republican Richard Lugar from Indiana, signing this op-ed in the Washington Post saying they feel an obligation to speak up, writing, we are on the eve of the conclusion of special counsel Robert Mueller's investigation and the House's commencement of investigations of the president and his administration. The group collectively urging current and future senators to protect democracy. They made it public for a reason. I think they're interested in making sure not just that the senators know that they're, they want the Senate to play a large role, but also that the public knows and the public holds their senators accountable. Today's op-ed from the group of former senators ends by saying the current U.S. Senate must ensure partisanship or self-interest doesn't replace the interest of the country. In the newsroom, I'm Matt Smith. Back to you. Matt, thanks. Up next, we'll talk about all this with our panel. Plus, Senator Donnelly says farewell to Washington. You'll hear some of his final address on the Senate floor. And we're hearing from both sides of the marijuana debate after the drug is legalized in one of our neighboring states. Stick around. We'll be right back. All right, let's bring in our panel right now. Indy Star columnist Tim Swearens, former state lawmaker Christina Hale, 2016 vice chair of the Indiana Trump campaign Tony Samuel, and UND professor Dr. Laura Wilson. Great to have you all with us here today. What a week we saw in Washington. Uh, the president seemingly in more political and legal jeopardy, that showdown in the Oval Office. What do you make of everything we've seen? Well, there was a lot this week between yeah. the Oval Office, things going on in courtrooms, right. um, a lot of partisanship, a lot of polarization. I think the drama continues to heighten after the election, but I think there's the possibility for results and for some agreement, even though it doesn't look like it necessarily quite yet. Laura's always optimistic about that, right? <laughs> that am. the parties can come together. Tony, uh, is, the, is the president now in more legal peril? Uh, I don't think more legal peril because I don't think uh, the general public, if you're looking at it politically, is going to trust Michael Cohen, and I don't think um, any judge or jury should either. Um, he's a shady character. Uh, he shouldn't have been employed by the president in the first place. He even admitted, I think for the first time ever, that he made a mistake by hiring him. Um, and, and so I don't think when you look at the charges, if there are any charges, and there aren't yet, they weren't criminal. Even if there were any kind of payments made, it wasn't a campaign finance violation. And so, you know, you get back to all of this kind of blowing up, but what does it have to do with Russia? Absolutely nothing. A lot of uh, things happening on multiple fronts, different investigations. How will Democrats handle this in the new Congress? W will there be calls for them to pursue impeachment? Oh, absolutely. I think that there will. I think the new chairman of the judiciary is certainly doubling down on uh, pursuing investigation. And there will only be more stories that come out now. We'll see about the accuracy, but people are concerned, and the integrity of the presidency has certainly been in question for months now. Tim? I think this is the first point where we've seen the president in true jeopardy. Now, how it's going to play out, we'll have to see, but, but he is in jeopardy. And re remember that um, 
the uh, Monica Lewinsky Bill Clinton investigation did not start out that way. It started out as a Whitewater investigation, a business deal in Arkansas, and the president ended up being impeached because of his affair with Monica Lewinsky, who was a White House intern, and the fact that he lied about it under oath. Um, so there is real danger here, even in campaign finance, although it has nothing to do with Russian collusion there's still danger for the president. Let's go back to that Oval Office meeting uh, because a couple of Indiana connections here. Obviously, we'll show you some video there. Uh, obviously, as Chuck Schumer and President Trump and Nancy Pelosi were arguing, a lot has been made about the, the vice president's uh, reaction, very stoic reaction, I, I guess you might say. What was everyone's uh, opinion of what we saw with stoic, the vice president? Stoic is one way to put it. It was also a little bit comical, a very unfortunate perspective, I think. Whoever set up that camera shot, he really did look like... Uh, a mini man and many of the memes about Elf on the Shelf there are a lot of memes. really kind of distracted from the importance of that discussion that was actually sure. happening. They were talking about some extremely high stakes issues, shutting down the government, Could building be later the wall. This week. Yeah. Yes, and you know it's in everyone's best interest that this meeting that these people set off on the right foot. Some uh, Trump supporters had uh, su suggested they would like to see the vice president say something more to defend the president there. What was your view? Well, I, I think he obviously he's 100 percent on board with the president. The president takes the lead in these kinds of situations. It's his uh, he, he's the primary um, uh, fighter in, the, in that kind of political fight. And I think what he did was win over a lot of Americans on, on, on the issue uh, and everything that we're seeing in the news coverage uh, on border security, how, how much is seen, how many criminals are crossing the border every day, terrorists coming across. If the government shuts down and, and, and it's the president's shutdown, I think he'll win that battle because folks are really focused on this issue. I don't remember what past shutdowns were about, but the way that he's framed this People are going to focus on this. Were issue. you surprised the president said, I'll own it if the government shuts down? It's on me? Well, it's risky. I think um, in doing that, as Tony said, maybe it'll help make that connection for folks. But there's always the political calculation of what the shutdown means and how people associate it and who it belongs to. And the president said that it will belong to him. But whether or not that's what he'd want it to do, of course, if we ultimately had a shutdown, I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. The other Indiana angle we were talking about here is that comment from Chuck Schumer that you heard earlier uh, with Schumer saying the president bragging about Indiana, winning Indiana means he's in real trouble. Chairman Kyle Hupfer of the Indiana GOP said of Schumer's remarks, when it comes to election time, Democrats like to pretend they care about Hoosiers, but then they go to Washington and treat us like the punchline of their joke, like Chuck Schumer did today. Tim, what was your reaction to that whole meeting, to everything we saw there? Well, first of all, Chuck Schumer's comment was an offhand comment. At the same time, I think it does reveal an attitude that's very common on the coast about places like Indiana and North Dakota is that we really don't matter, we shouldn't matter as much as we do. We heard that after the election. Uh, change the rules in the Senate so that you know these, these outlier states don't have so much control. And Chuck Schumer's buying into that to a large extent. I was concerned that Senator Schumer actually had a different take, and that was he was seeding Indiana, taking it for granted that it would go red. And that concerned me because I don't want to hear that from Democrat leadership right now. You know, there are a lot of scrappy Democrats working hard in Indiana, and I, I would like that. And the president, more respect. president responded to all that saying, yeah, we, we did win Indiana this week. By the way, we did hear one last time from the senator who lost that race here in the Hoosier State in November, Senator Joe Donnelly. You can be from Idaho. You can be from North Dakota. You can be from New Hampshire, Indiana. But we all have the same challenges. And all of us worked hard to get here. 
And our job should be not worrying about politics, but worrying about making lives better. Senator Donnelly's farewell address there in the Senate. Donnelly, of course, lost to Mike Braun in November's election. By the way, next week we will sit down with Senator-elect Braun in an interview you'll see right here next Sunday. Uh, Joe Donnelly's legacy here as he leaves the Senate and makes his final remarks. Well, I think he definitely has a positive one. You know, he was in office for six years as a senator. Um, he was able to accomplish, I think, what he wanted to. Obviously, he would have liked to have won re-election. Um, but he should be leaving with a lot of integrity and feeling good about what he's did in office. Uh, what did you make of that speech? And also, um, the, the former senators who were a part of that Washington Post op-ed this past week, uh, Evan Bayh, Richard Luger, and the remarks that they made about uh, the political climate in our country. Yeah, I, politically motivated, I, I kind of wondered why and why now and, and what's driving this. It, it was a very subtle attack on the president, I, I think, and, and that's unfortunate. They didn't say a whole lot of what we all don't think. Yes, we should all be more civil. Yes, we should work together. And, and I think everyone wants to see that, including the president. Uh, thoughts down here on that or on, on Donnelly's legacy? Um, a man of integrity, a hardworking person who really has a heart for Indiana. I don't think this is the last that we'll see of him. So I, I think the, the point of the op-ed that the senators wrote was that we live in a very dangerous world and the chaos that we're seeing in D.C. can distract us from that. We can't let it. China's becoming increasingly more aggressive around the world. We still have North Korea out there and a huge challenge. There are plenty of other places in, the, in this world where the United States and other people uh, around the world fa face severe challenges. The United States has to lead. Uh, in a very key moment in history. We can't be distracted by the chaos. Let's talk about some issues here at the State House in Indiana. The latest now on the push for hate crime legislation. A statewide coalition just announced its plans to push for a bill. Indiana Forward includes employers, faith leaders, and other organizations. Right now, Indiana, one of five states without a specific hate crime law. This new group wants to change that with enhanced penalties for crimes motivated by race, religion, gender identity, or sexual orientation. We have, again, the opportunity to sort of go from last to first in the country, and that would obviously be a big step forward and a, a big statement for the, the state. This is, you know, good for, good for Hoosiers, good for the state, uh, and good for business. Will it pass, though, at the State House? This week I asked Governor Eric Holcomb. Can the General Assembly pass a bill on hate crimes this year, and will sexual orientation and gender identity be a part of that bill? Do you want to see it pass uh, w with those uh, protections as, as part of that legislation? Yes, I hope so, and yes, meaning yes, they can uh, and should. I don't think it's just uh, the right thing to do. I think it's overdue. We are that, you know, welcoming state that we know that we are. You think a bill could pass out of the General Assembly this year? How much uh, political capital will it take from Governor Holcomb? I, I agree with the governor. I hope so. It should. Yeah. Uh, will it? I'm not going to make any predictions. I think something might pass. I just hope that it's meaningful and not watered down so that we haven't wasted all this time and effort on something that will change very little. Tony? I think something could pass. I go back to what Speaker Bosma said um, a week or so ago, that both sides, all sides, should, should be content with, with something now if they want to try to move even more later. It certainly seems like the governor is, is trying to push for that. I think so. I think there's more public momentum. When it was introduced last year and it really didn't go anywhere, I don't think people saw the need for it quite in the same way they do now, and that's certainly going to help the passage. Real quick one item here from Indianapolis. A note on the mayor's race. Jim Merritt telling us Friday he is going to think about a, a possible run for mayor over the holidays. He announced Friday that he's stepping down as chairman of the Marion County Republicans. Do you think that means he's running? 
I think it does. Now, again, I don't make predictions. I don't know what the senator is <laughs> going to do. Yeah. But resigning from, as a county chair, to me, would be the first step in, in getting into the campaign. We'll see what happens here over the next few weeks, guys. Thanks. Up next, we are hearing from both people, from people on both sides of the marijuana debate after the drug is legalized in one of our neighboring states. Stick around. We'll be right back. Well, to anyone planning on taking a trip to Michigan now that marijuana is legal there, a, a warning from Indiana State Police as Michigan continues to work on licensing recreational marijuana. It could be a while before their dispensaries start popping up, and that's not stopping some Hoosiers from taking trips. David Phipps with pro-marijuana group Indiana Normal is excited. He says legalizing marijuana makes things safer for people like veterans with PTSD. But state police warn you could go to jail if you're caught trying to bring marijuana back across the border. Hoosiers are already participating with cannabis, already partaking in cannabis. Uh, they're only now in Michigan, you know, they'll be able to access it uh, in a much safer manner instead of resorting to the black market, uh, underground dealer, or who knows what could come with that. It's in a safe, regulated environment. And as soon as that crosses, the Indiana state line, it becomes illegal to possess, to cultivate, to, to smoke, uh, to use. All of the marijuana is still illegal. All right, stick around. We'll be right back after this with this week's winners and losers. This week's winners and losers, Laura. Okay, my winner in retail numbers look really good for November and December. I know I've personally contributed, so I think that's great for the economy. My loser is a seven-year-old Guatemalan girl that mm -hmm. died in U.S. custody. It's not a political statement, but it's a humanitarian one. Yeah. All right, Tony. I'm going to put on my new Make America Great Again <laughs> Santa Claus hat <laughs> to announce my winner this week. Look at that. As, what do you think? Bipartisan love. Uh, <laughs> President Trump is my winner for establishing the Opportunity and Revitalization Council, which will help uh, deprived neighborhoods, of about 8,000 of them around the country, helping them uh, get more economic development. Christine, you get to follow that up. Oh, gosh. I guess I'll have to say Michael Cohen's my loser of the week, because when I look at him, I feel like my circles don't look that bad anymore. <laughs> um, but truly, um, Senator Joe Donnelly, a fine man leaving um, an office with uh, great accomplishment. I'm very proud of him in his service. Joe Donnelly's my winner as well. In his six years in the Senate, he served with integrity and served the state well. All right. Thank you all for being here. Thank you for watching. We'll see you again next Sunday in Focus.